19, chapter 19, page 124. All things return to the one. Where does the one return to? The blue, the blue cliff record. Sometime after making my home next to the ocean, <clears throat> I became aware of how each movement of my hand or my heart and mind had become part of the dream of this landscape. Though somewhere far below the crows in the hierarchy of importance. And the roar of the sea is forever in my dream now, wherever I am. One day, a while ago, in the dream world, Dongshan was setting off from Yunyun's place. Yunyun said, once you leave, it will be hard for us to meet again, Dongshan replied. I mean, I'm sorry, meet again. Dongshan replied, it would be hard for us not to meet. The briefest of conversations, acknowledging the ways we become entangled in each other's dreams. Everything in the universe is dreaming the universe. And the, this tissue of dreaming is one of the things that connect us. How do you take that, Cody? about it will be hard for us not to meet. <clears throat> well, I don't, I don't know if this has anything to do with anything, but so today me and my son, we went to the barbershop to get haircuts. And a couple weeks ago, uh, there was a new kid in karate, in his karate class. And um, so they they literally like became best friends like the moment they met same age almost i mean they might not be the same age but they almost look exactly alike so we <clears> walk <throat> in the barber we walk in the barber shop and as i'm opening the door this lady uh she was like about to walk out the door and it was his, the kid's grandmother because he lived with his grandparents and um, she had this look like, man, I see you everywhere, you know. And um, so long story short, her, her husband and the grandson was in there. And, you know, I told my son, I was like, look who's here, you know, because they exchanged numbers last uh, karate class. And they always on FaceTime and and um, on the phone play and on the computer at the same time playing their little computer games. And um so the grandmother said, like, it, you know, it was destined for them to meet because it's like they've been knowing each other, like like they've been here before, you know. It, it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of odd, but it's just like, <clears throat> to me, it's, it's, it's always like a connection um, somewhere through somebody somewhere down the line, you know, because Cause like me being in central Texas, I always run, run into somebody back from high school or home or whatever, you know, it's like, or you, you run into people in public and then you talk to them and then you run into them again. Next thing you know, you're, you're good friends. And uh, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's connection. It just keeps going and going. And it's kind of hard to explain, but 
I don't, I don't, I really don't know how to explain it. Yeah, my mom, when my mom was dying, she said, uh, no matter what, I'll always be with you or something. And I thought that was really silly. But then, you know, in a way, people never leave you. Yeah. And you, you remember them. That's how I that take is, it. That is true. Anyone else on this? Once you leave, it will be hard for us to meet again. It will be hard for us not to meet. And there's also, you know, that keeps coming up in Zen, the, the relative and the absolute. So in the relative, we might not ever meet again, but in the absolute, because we're in each other's minds, it will be hard for us not to meet. And Trouty is here. Okay, and uh, is Jess next reading? Okay. It's a venerable Buddhist idea that life is a dream. <clears throat> Scientists of dark matter and energy tell us that the dark makes up about 96% of the universe. That being the case, we might imagine the visible universe, Chateau's streaming branches of light as the dream of the dark. Or what ancestor Ma meant when he called the universe the samadhi, the deep meditation of dharma nature. The koans have an unorthodox view, though. As we awaken, we aren't waking up from the dream, but into it. You can say that our lives are illusory, meaning that they're delusional, unreliable, even dangerous. Or you can say that they're dreamlike, fluid, mutable, many-layered. Good for challenging the solidity of fixed ideas, the edges of the self, and the boundaries between states of consciousness, our attachment to things as we think they are or want them to be, Good for holding things provisionally, for imagining things differently, for taking ourselves as a little less inevitable. I don't know much about dark matter, <clears throat> uh, but this makes me want to learn more about it. I guess it was a, a uh, very unusual that the world could have uh, not had this 4% light. 
4% existence as we know it. So it's, it's, it was a pretty rare, uh, unusual event that the universe is um, visible. I'm certainly no expert on this. That's one of the Lojong slogans is life is a dream. Yeah, I remember uh, there's on Netflix, uh, Ram Das, he, <clears throat> they have a, it's called Going Home, it's like 27 minutes. And uh, it's like when he's 91 or 90, anyways, when he's um, near, I think he dies like a year later. And uh, he's singing that um, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. And he's like singing it over and over. And um, I don't know, I don't know where I heard it, but somebody was like, you know, it's like, maybe it was in the in the documentary it's like he's really on to something you know like there's something it's like i don't know it was it was a very um i remember that moment okay after j is k can i say something of course so um I was thinking what would the Sanskrit be for dream? And then of course I recollected what, what words uh, the texts use. And it's more like illusion. And I think the idea of illusion has been actually for probably a longer time with the Brahmanical tradition, which becomes, which is called then later Hindu tradition. So, uh, and it's only, it's only in, a, in some particular branches of um, the school, the Yogacara school that we were lead, reading a little bit last time. Meaning that we don't, really see the reality and so what we observe or even experience um, is not the reality because if we knew a little bit more about our reality we probably uh, could see through through that is there any question in, in your, all the work you, you've done is it, does anyone doubt whether there really is such a thing as the reality? Like with, I know we can't know it, but does it exist? Is that ever questioned? Well, uh, the way how we would approach it would be that there might be something or might not be something. But uh, what I sense, I'm shooting from my hip. Um, is that the reality is when we have the experience of samadhi, even though we 
you know, we sort of lose it or uh, we are not able to keep it at all times till we suddenly matured like, let's say, a pear. <laughs> so the reality, I mean, that's kind of what I've come to is that it's not things, no. but it's more relationships, our relationship to our experiences. That's yes, real. yes, or even our experience. Because if we have certain values and certain ideas that call us our experiences. So it's, it's how we, um, what we think our experiences. I mean, that's all we, we know is what, what we think we're experiencing. Yes, yes. So because we are still constantly in the dichotomy. Okay. Thank you. How poignant that everything is fleeting, yet life preserves. We love even though we know that what we love will change or break or go away, and that we will cause hurt by changing or breaking or going away ourselves. The whole world gets up and enters the day, even though we know that our lives will end on one of these days. This is a noble way of living a dream, things mattering entirely while we are here together, even as we know that everything rises and falls, everything changes, everything passes away. Is dreaming together is antidote to the monologue in our heads and the lonely idea that we, by ourselves, could create our own reality. After Fayan paid that rock, the courtesy of believing it actually existed, fresh breeze, he became a teacher himself. He once heard of someone who had written mind above his door, mind over his window, and mind on the wall. Fayan remarked, that he should have written door above his door, window over his window, and wall on the wall. Because Does that mean now? No, Landia is there. No, I just, I didn't know if someone wants to say something. Yeah, what does Nandia want to say? I just like the idea of writing mind over the door. And then when you want to open your mind, you just go to open the door. <laughs> Very concrete. <laughs> A little playful. So it's talking, I mean, this is an illustration of the, uh, the mundane and the absolute. It's just a very good illustration of this, I think. And that, you know, it's said that, you know, uh, one goes, the first one uh, sees 
the mountain and then one mm. doesn't see the mountain and then one sees the mountain again. And I think also this points to that. I think it's really about a way of seeing. Mm. More than, I would say this more than uh, the way of thinking. It's our perception. But you have to go through that of not, of not seeing the mountain, don't you? Yes, I think it's, one has to go through that. Yeah. Uh, someone told the story this morning of um, their six-year-old kid who had rejected Santa Claus and now had accepted Santa Claus again. <laughs> and I think, I think when a six-year-old kid accepts Santa Claus, they know, they know that, that there's not this man who's going to come down the chimney there, but they also know this belief. Mm. And I tried to explain that to the father. I don't know that he, um, he bought it, but I thought it was, you know, the, the little girl had gone through like that same evolution of rejecting and then accepting. And I think, you know, for many people, God is that way. You know, mm. you think God is, is someone who's going to, um, you know, reach down and do things for you. And then you, you completely think, well, that's ridiculous. And then you start to believe in a more kind of spiritually, uh, God, that not something physical. Mm. Should I read? Sure. Because the dream of the world is made in part of matter, it is shaped by what matter and imagination can do together. Sometimes that is glorious, and sometimes it is horrifying. The dream of the world is fluid, but it isn't lawless. Gravity and what happens to a body that doesn't get enough food are real. All around us, we see the failures, the betrayals, the inexplicable acts of destruction when that collaboration goes wrong. It is sometimes an excruciating way to make a universe. And I'm curious about this idea of failures, betrayals, because in nature there are no such things, are there? Well, we may call them that way. Sure. Yeah. I think Today. that depends on how we look at it. On seeing something in this way, this is a very a human way of holding something. Yeah. But I don't we think a, a cat would necessarily uh, label something in that way. Right. <laughs> I meant before humans were on Earth, were there failures and betrayals and... Mm. I don't remember. <laughs> okay, Cody. I need to... Oh, no. Trouty. 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 Well, I'm ready to fall asleep, so... <laughs> okay, where are we? Koans. I know. Oh, here. Yes, there are koans. Koans contribute a kind of radical empathy 
to our efforts to navigate this complicated dream. We experience our kinship with those who share the dream of this world by imagining our way into their bodies and lives. Koans can be fairly straightforward, introducing us to people in all kinds of situations, monastic, wanderers, people with small... Sorry. Businesses, poets, warriors, mothers, government officials, people living under bridges, people who are brilliant, uncertain, brave, obnoxious, generous, stubborn, and kind. So the second, uh, the following paragraph is building on that. Shall I read it? Sure. Koans also put us in dreamlike situations, standing at the bottom of a well, balancing on the tip of a needle, simultaneously living an active life and being sick in bed, hanging on our teeth from a branch, a tree branch. They ask us to do dreamlike things, make the mountains dance, dig up our ancestors' bones, pick up a stone from the bottom of the sea without getting our hands wet, blow an iron flute with no holes, swim down to a blue dragon's cave. Meanwhile, there is a buffalo leaving the room through the window, a carp swimming up a waterfall to become a dragon. All these koan characters and situations are treated equally. All are blessed, all are blessed, as woman said. Each of, each of our lives is part of this vast, multi-layered, mostly invisible, and incredibly moving dream. That could be a little overwhelming. So the koans invite us to play with it, to work with it, to recognize our kin everywhere. <clears throat> To develop the courage and the strength to stay open to the dream of the world so it can sustain us while we weave our own dream into it. Yes, I think it's you. Uh, koan, the stone woman, the stone woman gives birth in the middle of the night. This is an old story. About 4,000 years ago in the misty time when legend and history blurred, there might have been the first Chinese dynasty. I don't know how to say that. Shia. Shia. The mother of the Shia was to Shanxi, the lady of Mount Tu, one day she turned herself to stone and the stone split open to give birth to a child whose name was Re Revelation. Chinese stones are made of concentrated qi. Qi. Qi 
the breath of the universe. They are combinations of first things, heaven and earth, mountain and air, thought and mineral life, bringing into harmony what is most unlike. They are for healing. Since to Shanxi's miracle, women have sat on stones in hopes of becoming pregnant. People have prayed to stones for rain and set stones in their garden to bring longevity. See, my first thought in the previous paragraph was, God, you turn yourself into a stone and you still have to give birth. Jesus. <laughs> give us what a about break. Giving birth? What about Give us giving birth a to break. a stone? What, Cody? <laughs> I say, what about giving a birth to a stone? Why don't, why don't, the, why don't the men of the world do it? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay, uh, Malin. Before all of that, in the perfect night of original emptiness, the vastness swirled and call, uh, how do you say that? Coalesced. 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 Thank you, Cody. Coalesced. Thank you. And become a stone woman. The dark mysterious who gave birth to a universe. She who has no qualities produced all qualities, all forms, all possibilities. She is the unborn who gives birth to all things, the beautiful impossibility at the root of everything. This goes on happening moment after moment in every beat of a gull's wing and shiver up your spine. Everything is unborn and born, stone and breath, and the shimmer that comes with us from that original night, right here and now. How is that stone woman giving birth? The stone woman dances the dance of long life. The earliest forms of the character of vastness, Wu in Chinese, Mu in Japanese, Zhao Zhu's No, show a woman dancing holding foxtails. The unborn tracing the intricate steps of life, perhaps with the sense of a spell being cast in those moments, a spell to carry life along. The first shamankas, or female shamans, shamans in English, were dancers moving like cranes. A nearby image is the great loom upon which the universe is being woven, <coughs> never stopping the mother of transformations attends to her shuttle, weaving the spring's images into the primordial tapestry, says the Book of Serenity. The vow of the universe to exist, to make your life possible. 
Only for your benefit, honored one, as the koan says. Uh, the koans are always calling. Look, look. It took the whole universe to make that spring blossom that caught your eye. That blossom is the tip of the universe emerged into view. Behind it, the stone woman moves in her dance to the rhythmic clap of the loom from which the eternal tapestry flows. That's why it's goofy for us to sign artworks. You know, if it takes the whole universe to make a blossom, you know, how can we take credit for things we do? Yeah. Well, you invent uh, copying it. We're copying what? The, the whole universe? Well, even if you just illustrate a part, if the part is really a representation of the universe, then yes. To me, it seems like a bloodline. <laughs> like if you, I mean, it, it flows through you. So your energy becomes also a part of it, right? Yeah, I guess it what, it's what it means to you to sign uh, something as, you know, you created it. Yeah, you, you, you just you, contribute you help, it. Or you help bring it into being. It's just yeah. putting, your, putting your name on the family tree. Yeah, like if you had I'm a baby. I'm saying uh, you're the the tree is only you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of applies to like everything, you know. Like looking at Kim, I see the whole universe <laughs> right there, and it's like we are also it. Remind me of this. Um, uh, the radio, I think I heard it, the story about language and like how our inner innermost thoughts have language in them. And language was something that like who created language, you know? It was a very, I would imagine a very relational thing. And so in our, even in our most isolated innermost thought, you know, it's relational, it's all connected. Uh, I don't know. Hey, just do you ever, do you ever like wonder like who was the first to do anything? Like say who was the first to eat a Roy oyster or who was the first to, you know, just like sit, sit there and ask, ask, ask yourself those questions? Uh, uh, <laughs> do, do you ask yourself those questions? <laughs> I mean, I, I think about it sometimes, you know, yeah. like, 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 like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Or, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, it's not really odd, but it's, you know, it's just, 
Yeah. Who just read? Um, I did. Uh. The stone woman's dance of long life brings into the foreground what happens in all this immensity. Quantum foam, supernova, small rocky planets with their thin dusting of life on the surface. First love and last love and the whisper of rain before the dawn. What will you do with this gift, honored one? The stone woman calls them back from their dream of the world. A con to rest in. The poet Robinson Jeffers lived with his family in a house he built of the on the central California coast. Literally built, rolling each stone up a cliff from the beach. There wasn't a lot of extra square footage, but there was a small bathroom like a ship's cabin, cabin right off the living room. It was their guest room and the place Robin and his wife, Una, could make love while the boys were asleep upstairs. Jeffers said he had another purpose in mind too. It was the room he could die in. Forty years later, he did. For four decades, the room of his dying was in plain sight, right off the living room. That doesn't seem remarkable to me, sorry. I mean, I feel like the room of our dying is, you know, we we carry it around with us from the moment of our birth. Well, probably not very, what should I say, consciously, in general. <laughs> I would like to say something with regard to Robinson Jeffers. I read his poetry translated into Czech. And when I came to the United States, I had to go down there in California, so I uh, insisted to my husband, well, actually he was curious too, but he didn't read anything in Czech. Oh, and you went to the house? Yes. Oh, mm. neat. Mm -hmm. You want to see a picture of the house? Mm -hmm. I, I have a photo, yeah, but if you, if you have, yeah, I don't have it on hand right now. Yeah. I will, yeah, I will see, see if I can find it. So, Charlie, how, um, what's uh, being in the house? How, how did that feel? I was not in the house. It oh. was not uh, open to the public. Ah. But just, you know, so close to the sea and the air and the stones. And it was a little bit overgrown, 
there was a certain atmosphere and I still, I can still feel it. I, yeah, I just got goosebumps mm. on my arms. Mm. That's not That's a good not. picture. Well, he, I mean, they're fairly rough uh, rocks and he built it himself. And what I was your, not... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was to ask, I was going to ask you, what was your main motivation to go there? Huh. Well, probably his poetry. There was one poem that was called, and I, I never could find it in English because the translation probably was so different. Um, the uh, what, what is the term in English for a woman who, uh, or yeah, for a female who would... Uh, Take care of all oh, those are nice photos. Yeah, the house is behind him. Mm. Ooh, Carmel. Mm. Look at the sky. That's, that's amazing. The way it's around his head, too. Nice. Yeah. I wonder whether his figure is superimposed on that. Wonder what? Whether the figure in this photo is superimposed. Oh, I it's don't. It's not a real photo. Oh, I think because it's there real. is a different proportion with the with the stone and I, the area. Yeah, I don't think they would show that you know from a library. Well, why not? I mean, he he may have done it maybe on himself before it went to the library. Oh, that's a nice picture of the house. Oh, yeah. Was that what it yeah, looked like? No, I didn't see it that way. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't uh, pimped, so to speak, right? Oh. Wow. Well, yeah, it's kind of confusing. It said he built this for his wife, but then there's this house. Oh, he continued right. his stonework. Mornings he wrote poems, and afternoons he, he hauled granite boulders up from the beach, erecting over the years a garage, a dining room, and Hawk Tower, a private retreat for his wife. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Very handy. Wow, that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. It says here, for some, this might seem claustrophobic. I think it is super cozy. Oil lamps and candles were the only means of illumination until electricity was installed in 1949. Oh, let's read that poem above. Yeah, that one. Well, the stars go over the sleepless ocean, and sometime after midnight, I'll pluck you a wreath of chosen ones. We'll talk about love and death, rock solid themes, old and deep as the sea. It's oh, beautifully I crafted. 
Yeah, I don't think, I think that's something else. Okay, we'll stop. And go back to. So I, I can recall now the title of the poem in English. The Shepherdess uh, Walking Tobit, April. And it is not very clear what has happened, but she was alone and she had this bunch of sheep and she was pregnant. And April was when she was supposed to give birth. But there wasn't, I, I don't recall that there would have been anybody else involved in, in the poem. But the way how it was written, it, it just, uh, yeah, touched me in so many different ways. Anyway, this is, I'm... <laughs> okay, so who's reading now? Milan? Nandia, I just read. Oh. I'm sorry, which paragraph? Uh, the dream, I think. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> the dream of the world is compelling. And when we and the dream have used each other up, we will go into the next room and lie down. The dream will continue while we return to original dreamlessness. After a sleep of who knows how long, perhaps we will awaken again, who knows where, into the dream. This is, <laughs> this is really a powerful paragraph. This happen, This happens moment after moment too. Everything is born and dies. Everything rises and falls. The blossom that was just the swelling on a branch the other day breaks open. Enters the dream of spring for a moment. Enters your eye for a moment. And then the mother of transformations calls it back into the radiant dark just behind the surface of the visible. Does it? Do you really go somewhere else? Mm. 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 That radiant dark, you know? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't have a name for her. <laughs> Not her, you know, that name is it's like something to look forward to. <laughs> like the radiant dark. Uh, Well, like in Tantra paintings, uh, you may have a very dark color in, in, in the middle, and then right off the edge, if it, I'm, I'm talking about a circle, uh, right off the edge, there will be just a, a slim line of uh, some, some light. So I do not know whether that would qualify for that expression, radiant dark. Uh, you know, I think like for me, I, I, I'm pretty confident that I'm very much caught up in the, in the visible, you know? Mm. Um, and then the way this talks about the blossom was just a swelling on a branch the other day breaks open, enters the dream of spring for a moment, 
enter your eye for a moment and then gets called back. Just behind the surface of the visible. I'm I'm pretty confident I'm very like tied to that blossom, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I can't see or I don't think much about this radiant dark and the flow that you know like it was the previous chapter she talks about the flow of everything rising everything passing away well it's in a way of also possibly describing an experience of transformation because mm-hmm. the, the mother of transformations calls it back into the radiant dark. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I work with people with dementia and I went to this, uh, there's an Alzheimer's chorus in Austin. Uh, and I went to their concert and they sang this song that uh, it's called, like, I think, uh, I'll Fly Away. And then they talk about, in the song they sing, they say, you know, just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. Uh, and it got me thinking, just like this gets me, you know, move something, because I think in my work, I'm just so caught up in those weary days. You know, that's all I see. Mm. Um, I don't see the flying part, which I know is, that's the other side. It's just, um, yeah, the mother of transformation. That's good. Chapter 20. <clears throat> the field. Wait, did Trouty like, read? Yeah, I think yeah. he just read. Oh, okay. The feeling okay. life of awakening. If we had a keen vision and feeling of all ordinary human life, it would be like hearing the grass grow and the squirrel's heartbeat. And we should die of that roar which lies on the other side of silence. George Eliot, Mary Ann Epps. A long time ago, when I was heading home from a retreat in which I had experienced an opening, I witnessed the aftermath of an act of violence at a grocery store. I had no filters, no skin really, and it went straight in. The experience had an impersonal or transpersonal quality or cool but enormous as if a heart the size of the world was stretching my rib cage to make room for itself. Wow. Ooh, ooh. Uh, huh. Can you go back a page? I just, just, uh, no filters. Okay.
Since then, I've sought to understand this heart whose emergence seems essential to awakening. It's quite possible to have prajna or insight and also have a shuttered heart if the arc of awakening is cut short. Uh, prajna or insight and also have a shuttered heart if the arc of awakening is cut short. The tradition has called this state a ghost cave and a frozen ice field hard language meant to convey not just the undesirability of the state, but also its danger. Because the feeling life of awakening is what arises in us to meet the revelation of insight. The feeling life of awakening is what rises in us to meet the revelation of insight. It is what we bring to the revelation, the substance from which we make our embodiment of it. It is what the revelation is like when it comes to dwell in a particular human person. As I understand it, the feeling life of awakening is made of courage, wonder and awe, gratitude and generosity, sympathy and heartache. Each floods us in its time, becoming somehow part of flesh and bone. We continue to have emotions like happiness, fear, anger, contentment, grief, and all the rest. They can be vivid and, and are welcome. It's just that while we have these emotions, they increasingly rise and fall in a field made of the feeling life of awakening. Hmm. Once a student asked the Chinese teacher, Bai Zhang, what the most extraordinary thing in the world is. Bai Zhang replied, sitting alone on Great Courage Peak. Koan meditation is a challenge thing to do. And there are paths you have to walk alone. Great Courage Peak was known for the magical tigers who lurked near its summit. And magical tigers are not creatures to mess with. Yet, Making the climb and finding you sit there over and over again makes you brave in a particular way. This courage is fierce, committed fierce, devoted fierce. It's different from the blood, bold ambition to succeed at spiritual practice. It is more like putting yourself at the service of awakening, come what may. When following your courage brings you to the place where the world falls open, to the extent that there's an experience that can be given a name, that name would be something like wonder and awe. <clears throat> You're not an observer having a reaction to something miraculous, but a person suddenly aware 
that you're continuous with the wonder and the awe that the universe is. The noble woman from Shin, one of Dawei's students, described it as a world of sudden joy. This revelation persists in a quieter form in the small moments of daily life. Turn your head just a degree or two and you see again the radiance that it is that is as much a part of what you're looking at as the molecules are. And recommend. Wait, I, wait, just one yeah. second. Yeah. Nandia, do you see molecules as kind of physical matter as opposed to the impression you have of, or the experience you have of the thing itself? Is that how you read that? Where do you see the molecules here? The last word in the, the second uh, to last. Word. The radiance that is as much a part of what you're looking at as mo molecules are. Mm. So it's like the, our, you know, our skin and bones, which would be the molecules, and then just everything else we get from a person would be the radiance. Yes. Yes. I like that. Okay. And Darkenmend adds its rich basis note to this wonder and of. When you muse about the wonder, you see that it's about something that can't be understood in the ordinary ways, let alone explained. We don't quite have a word for the feeling of it, but it's something like a profound ease with the unthinkable, oh, sorry, unknowable and the uncertain. Still, there can be a stripped naked quality to all that wonder and awe. So it is also good to feel surrounded by the dark's generous, unfailing presence. My last stop returning, oh no, that's a new section. There is a dash over it. My last stop returning from the retreat <clears throat> that day was to pick up the dog who lived with me in those years. As she bounded down the path, I saw her, not as my dog, but made me the woman with the dog, but as the particular being she was all into herself. The how this relates to me filters, which I hadn't realized were operating with her, were replaced by wonder and awe at her concentrated and perfect wetness. And this strange new heart of mine almost burst with a new kind of love for her. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Perfect whatness, I'd like mm -hmm. so yes. perfect. Mm -hmm. It's funny, it's like sometimes you come out of a retreat and it's like 
do you see some you have some clarity right and then uh i think i think Trotty, you were saying like there's moments of um moments of um uh, samadhi and it comes and goes you know um that sounds like a moment that she said some clarity Hmm. Okay. Uh, while the familiar shape of you eventually more or less reconstitutes itself, though you can never quite believe in it the same way, but that's a tale for another time, the need to repay a powerful debt of gratitude grows. When openings first appear, they are widely idiosyncratic and can take some discernment for a teacher to recognize among the altered states of a retreat. But gratitude is so universally present that it's a reliable marker. At the end of his journey to heaven, Dante says that he has seen things he's unable to describe but their lingering traces will be his theme until his song has ended. You know you have received a grace of incalculable worth that you can by no mean, by no known mean, wait. You know you have received a grace of incalculable worth that you can by no known metric be said to deserve. <clears throat> That makes for a deep and humble appreciation of Dante's vow. I'm sorry, could you just go back for one, for a second? Uh, this, um, you know, Dante says he has seen things he's unable to describe but their lingering traces will be his theme until his song has ended. I, I wonder, um, the things we experience or sense or perceive or know that we can't really describe. I, I wonder how, how much, how we, how we attend to that, you know, how we, how we hold that. The other stuff isn't very interesting, is it? The stuff we can describe. But often when we can't describe it, we feel like, you know, like this human capacity or human sort of like need to, to name and describe and define to the point where the actual thing um, becomes so depersonalized and then it becomes known as that label. So we often um, sort of, uh, it seems like we often sort of whittle this bit away that, that he's talking about sort of holding these lingering traces and um, 
Well, he's real brave in that sense, right? A lot of people wouldn't go there. They would just stick with the things they could describe. That would be right. their world. Right, right. I don't, there's something that really, you know, really speaks to me in that. I'm glad you uh, said that. Yes, thank you. Okay, who's next? Who just read that? Kim, I think you're next. In a profound experience of emptiness, insight can sometimes run out ahead of feeling, can even be painful in its crystalline clarity. A student once told me she didn't want to go on seeing everyone's fallibles so unrelentingly without sympathy. It is vital to let the slower moving heart catch up, to let the heart be broken open, to be broken completely open, because it is that sympathy, our feeling connection with others that opens the hands of our awakening in the world. Without that felt connection, our awakening is not, cannot be complete because awakening isn't just a matter of how we know things to be, it is also a matter of what we do. Sympathy finds a congenial companion in not knowing. Not knowing is a warm and curious, comfortable enough with uncertainty to let things speak from themselves without interrupting. Together, sympathy and not knowing tend to find a small gesture of kindness more satisfying than an opinion a good question, more compelling than a position. In the same way that the wonder and awe of awakening is continuous with the wonder and awe of the universe, the heart of awakening is continuous with the heart of the world. It experiences a particular kind of ache, perhaps from the perpetual stretching of the chest to hold it. This heartache is for the poignancy of life's persistence in the face of so much struggle and pain and a wish against evidence that we could all find our way free of them. It takes some dedication to learn to hold the heartache along with the wonder and awe. To accept that life's poignancy is fundamental to its nature. This is part of the mystery at the center of things, which means holding it without explaining it. The long arc of endarkenment presses our hearts up against the great broken heart of the world and asks us to say, yes, this too. It asks us to feel the world's yearning 
and its incompleteness, to know that it is an awesome and devastating work in progress, and we are part of it. Koans deepen our realization, and they open the feeling life of our awakening. They draw out our courage. They clarify our insight. They remind us of the currents of wonder and awe coursing through the day. They jimmy open what is clenched within us, releasing generosity. They encourage us to declare with delight, fortunately, I do not know. They help us discover the unique shape our gratitude takes. They strengthen our hearts with tenderness so we can hold our impossible lives there. Do you want to stop here? Yeah. Have you guys had enough? Oh, too much. Too, too much. <laughs> too much to sit up. <laughs> no one will feel cheated. So let's let's look at calendar. I think we our next meeting. Well, let's meet on the second of January. Okay. Okay. Roger that. So, so just to just to make sure I understand, um, the twenty sixth is not a thing. Right. Okay. We're not doing anything at Apamata on the on the, that week. Oh, okay. Uh, so anyway, thank you, everyone. Have well, thank a good, you. Have a good week, two weeks, three weeks. Whenever <laughs> I see you again. Yeah, thanks everyone. How much of the oh, books that we still sorry? How uh, much of the book we still have? <laughs> just a second, I will tell you. It says 137 of 194 on my thing. So we've done about two thirds. I see, 60 pages, yeah. Oh, I just had such this pang of attachment. Like, I don't want it to end. I don't either. Well, we can read it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it will be very no, different. There's, there's so much, it's, it's, there's so much in it. You could easily, I mean, yeah. Well, I'm kind of planning I've been talking to Peg about another book of hers. Well, same, I don't mean I don't same mean author. read it again as a um I mean read it just myself. Spend spend time, you know, yeah. getting to know it. Yeah. So what does Peg suggest? Well, it's Vima Lakurti's book, the book on Vima Lakurti by Joan Sutherland. I see. And and what I've been talking to Peg about is the idea of of reading um 
back and forth between Joan Sutherland's book on Vima Lakirti and then Vima Lakirti, the translation from Thurman. Do you know that? Yes, yes, I, I know it. Okay, and going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Have you read them both, Charlie? Uh, I don't have John Sutherland's. But I've read the, the Vima Lakirti. And I don't have the Joan Sutherland, and I'm, I'm, um, Lori's supposed to loan it to me, so I want to look at it. But anyway, that's the idea. Because doing just one would miss out. Like, some of us have read a lot of koans, so that gives this more, makes more sense here. But just reading about female Lakirti and not reading the actual text seems like it would miss something. And it's really beautiful. He's the star lay bodhisattva. <laughs> I'm out of here. Okay. Have a, have a good holiday. If I don't see you, we're still meeting thir- this Thursday, right? For yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, Thank you. Happy, happy, whatever. Yes. Okay. Happy, happy, Nandia. <laughs> Bye. Bye.